Well, we're going to be in Acts chapter number 2. I was going to preach shorter tonight, but since there's not as many people here as there were this morning, um, I had planned to preach to all of that big of a number. Since it's just you, I'll have to preach extra to make up for those who are not here. So the sermon will be about twice as long as I meant for it to be. <laughs> Actually, I've narrowed my topic down small enough to make it a smaller topic. Now, whether that proves to be a shorter sermon length yet has yet to be seen. In Acts chapter 1, I may have said 2. In Acts chapter 1, verse 13, and when they were come, <coughs> excuse me, when, when they were come in, <coughs> they went up to an upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. And I want to just stop right there. I want to preach on this subject. It was the membership in the local church actually scriptural and permissible. Father, I pray that you'd bless us tonight, help us to arrive at some conclusions based on your word that will anchor some principles in our heart that may prove to help us over the long run. I pray that you'd bless us tonight as a church and in our individual lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> there was a group of believers together on that day of Pentecost that is clearly distinguished from any other group of that day. And they are, notice in the scripture that we read, number one, they're together. Number two, in one place. And three, they have names recorded. And they continue together. They are disciples of Jesus. And the number is specified, which is 120, which will be become very significant later on in our lesson. Now, I bring some teaching and preaching on this subject every couple of years or so, and I do it for a number of reasons. Number one, the face of our church is continually changing. Uh, I was just looking <laughs> a little bit ago. Uh, here's the original charter of our church, the people had, that have signed it. Most of these names represent people who are dead. And a bunch of them represent people who have moved on, either moved away out of state or went to another church. And I think my family is the only, only person on that charter that was originally in this church that's still here. And Paul and Dee and Rochelle and their family came not too long after that. But as far as the charter signing, the church is a different church than it used to be when it was founded. And so certain principles and, and certain Bible teaching needs to be repeated over the course of time because there's a, a rotation of people that need to hear. <clears throat> and I preach it 
and teach it because it's the church's obligation to educate its membership. And we teach it because some man might decide uh, that the Lord's called him to preach and he goes out into pastor somewhere and he would need to know these things. And it's, it's our job to make sure that he knows some pertinent information from the Bible that's going to affect what he does in the future. And there are those who are watching remotely by camera on live stream and they may not have ever been in our church. They may be in another state or even another country. And so for their benefit, they need to know what the Bible teaches about this subject. And then all of us need to refresh our beliefs because if you're like me, some of these things kind of drift away or become a little less clear over a period of time. And so it's good for us to be reminded of those things. So my question is, is church membership scriptural? A number of years ago, we had a lady that wanted to join our church. She was sort of a self-willed woman, but she, Paul, Paul's the only one that probably knows that's my family, uh, about the self-willed woman. She, uh, she wanted to join our church, and she, but she, she, when she heard me preaching about church membership, she assumed she was already a member just because she was attending here. I said, well, you're, you're not officially a church member until you join. And, and she argued with me. That's, that's not the way it was in the church where I came from. I said, well, this is not that church. You know, that's the way we do it. Uh, we believe it's scriptural to have a, a church role, a church membership list. And, and, uh, and if you want to be a member, we, we'd be glad to have you, but you'll need to join just like everybody else did. And she was mully-grubbing and mumbling, and she didn't like that. But finally, after she uh, accosted me on a number of occasions, finally she said, all right, pastor, I'll do it your way. I'm going to join. And... I said, well, during the invitation time, all you have to do is just come forward and, and present yourself for membership during the invitation at the end of the sermon. Well, even in that, she still had a little bit of a, of a bone to pick, and, and I didn't carry it any further, but she stood up over on one side of the church, and after the uh, invitation was given and just before we dismissed in prayer, uh, she raised her hand and said, I want to join the church. And so instead of having a public showdown, I mean, this is... It's not absolutely necessary that you come to this altar to make a, an official decision. And so I didn't press the issue. But just to show that she was going to have a little bit of her own say in this, she said, I want to join the church. And so I asked the church, I said, if you'd like to have Miss <coughs> Mully Grubber as a member, then uh, would you say amen? And so we voted by voice to receive her into the membership. But <coughs> that's some people's background, some people's teaching is that if you just go to a church, you're automatically a member. But we'll see as we go through some of these principles from Scripture that that would be uh, not the case of a real church membership. So membership in a local church, does it have scriptural support or does it even imply that a, an official membership, an official role, an official list, should one exist? Well, some would say, well, well, what about just the body of believers all the way around the world? Aren't you a member of that? And, and that would be a discussion for us for another day. But for right now, if we just said, uh, if, if a person is a member of the body of Christ or the family of God at large, then the local church should at least be a microcosm of 
that larger group of people that are believers around the world. And so it would be the expression of that larger body of Christ. So are there reasons? Well, let's look at them. Number one, first of all, God keeps lists. God keeps lists. As believers, we have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 12. And it's very clearly spelled out that, that God keeps the list about that when people are in His book, in the Lamb's book of life, the saved people that are there. I'm glad my name's on that list, aren't you? And that's great, but however, it's important also to have our name on the list of a local church. Not that that is greater than being on God's list, but it's just a, a small particle of that bigger group of people that we know as saved people. So why? Well, it's a place where we can join and give our resources to further the work of Christ. It's a place where we can belong and, and be loved. It's a place where we can uh, serve others, and it's a place where we're, we're accountable. We live in a time, uh, as you well know, where people don't like to be accountable to anybody, but that's one of the purposes of the, of the local church. It gives us a, a place to be accountable with our lives. The Bible does not directly address the concept of a formal church membership, but there are several passages that strongly imply that it is completely logical and would not be anti-scriptural at all. If God keeps lists, surely we can. Number two, the Jerusalem church added to a list. In this passage of scripture that we just read and in Acts chapter 2, in verse, verse number 47 to be specific, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so salvation was a prerequisite for belonging to that church. And that's why we do that. Uh, when somebody wants to join our church, we, we first want to know if, if they're saved. We want them to be saved, and we'd like for them to be members of the church. But if they're not saved, we wouldn't do ourselves any favor uh, by going against God's pattern of accepting people into the membership who are not saved. It's, it's not a club. It, it's God's people. Acts 2.41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So it seems like somebody there, they said there was 3,000 souls, somebody there was keeping up with some people. Somebody was keeping a list. Somebody was keeping up with the number. <clears throat> and then number three, the early New Testament church elected people from a list. See, we're talking about a membership list, a membership role. And this early New Testament church in Acts chapter 6 and verse number 3, when, they, when the, uh, the widows and orphans are not being served properly because of uh, being neglected, then the apostles said, okay, we're going to choose out some men among you. Among whom? Well, whoever was in that group. We're going to choose out some men from among you full of the Holy Ghost and, and make them, some, some theologians say those are the first deacons and others say, well, they were just kind of like assistant pastors. Either way, the, the truth is and the principle is that as they chose people to serve in that church, 
they chose people from among themselves. If they didn't have some sort of accounting method by knowing who's in that group, how would they know who to choose from? Does that make sense? I mean, would you, go, would you drive across town and find somebody over there to be a deacon or an assistant pastor? He said, choose from out among you. So that implies a group. We, we, uh, we believe that, that people ought to, if they're going to serve in this church, they ought to be a member in this church. And we believe that's biblical according to this pattern here. When I was associate pastor in Denver, we had uh, uh, a couple of ladies stop by the church one day and, and uh, they came in. I was, I was doing something in there. I don't remember what, but I was in the auditorium. Or maybe they told the secretary they wanted to speak to the pastor and he wasn't in, so they spoke to me. And, and they wanted me to show them around the church, and I did. I thought they were looking for a church. And so after we talked for a little bit, they said, well, we kind of like this place. Uh, uh, we, would, we would like to be Sunday school teachers. I said, well, that's wonderful. Uh, when do you intend to join the church? And they said, oh, we didn't intend to join the church. We just want to teach Sunday school. <laughs> I said, well, that's not exactly the way we do it around here. Uh, you, you don't just drift through and teach a Sunday school class. If you're a member, then that would change the picture. But they didn't want to be a member of the church. And are there any other principles in the Word of God that might guide us towards understanding that a church membership role is appropriate? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll see if we can answer that. Number four, pastor, pastoral oversight requires membership. If, if there's going to be pastoral oversight, then there must be some kind of identifiable group of people whose names are on some sort of a list, or at least in somebody's mind. In Hebrews 13, 17, you will know this passage of Scripture, but it reveals to us a principle that's very important to our topic. Hebrews 13, 17 says... Obey them, talking to God's people, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls <clears throat> as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So if the pastors in the New Testament of a New Testament church were to oversee a flock and be accountable to that flock and have the flock accountable to him and he was to oversee them, he'd have to know who he's overseeing, wouldn't he? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive out here to Walmart and say, all right, all of you people, line up here. We're fixing to baptize and uh, you're going to start doing what I say. I don't think that'd go over real big, do you? <coughs> well, I'm not responsible for the folks at Walmart. Thank goodness. I'm not responsible for the people over at First Baptist. I'm not responsible for the folks up the road at the next Baptist church or any other churches. I'm not responsible for them. God didn't give me that flock to oversee. God made me pastor of Liberty Baptist Church, and so that limits the number of people that I'm responsible for and have oversight over. The pastor's responsibility would be meaningless if there was not some sort of method by which we know who is in that group, who is in that church whose name is on a roll, or at least with somebody that's got a good memory better than mine, would know who's in that group. Who will a pastor give account for? It says in that passage of Scripture that the pastor will give an account for the people that he pastored. Well, people in Little Rock, I'm not going to give an account for them. I'm not going to give an account for the people in Chicago. 
I'm not going to give a count for people who don't come here. It's the people that are members of this church that I would have to be responsible for. Number five, why do we have a church membership role and is it biblical? Number five, Christian accountability is meaningless without a church membership. Christian accountability. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 13, there is a man who is living in adultery, fornication, with his father's wife and evidently his stepmother. And so it's called to their attention that they ought not to be lifted up with pride about this. And in verse 12, it says, For what have Paul's, Paul's teaching them how to handle this situation of fornication within their church. And he says in verse number 12, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Verse 13, But... <clears throat> But them that are without, or, or judge them that are within, I'm sorry, within. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. See, if somebody in, in our membership is, is guilty, they're living in some publicly sinful way that everybody knows this is going on, uh, then Paul says you've got to do something about it. You've got to take care of it. You've got to address the issue. And we've done that a few times over the years. It's not fun. It's not something you look forward to. I'd rather be beat over the head with a dead skunk as I have to do that. But Paul said under the inspiration of God that it has to be done. Well, who, who, who is responsible? And who gets, who gets uh, in on this? Who is the person? Is it somebody out there, outside our four walls, we're not responsible for them. Man, we'd, we'd be full-time going around judging people if that's the way it was. But it is the church's responsibility to judge situations like that within the membership. Well, if there's no such thing as a membership, if there's no such thing as a church role, if there's no such thing as a list, how would we know who we're supposed to uh, who, who we're supposed to uh, Comfort, who we're supposed to hold accountably, accountable, it would be meaningless without a church membership. <clears throat> and although there's no stated mandate for a church membership, it would not be possible to judge those, out, or those inside if we didn't know who's inside. Then another principle is like-mindedness, and that appears in, in the Bible as well. Like-mindedness... We're supposed to be like-minded and that wouldn't be possible without a membership. Church membership is a, a way of identifying oneself with a local body of believers and making oneself accountable to proper spiritual leadership. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2, he says, Paul says, Fulfill ye my joy and be ye like-minded. Well, if we didn't have some kind of boundary around our membership, how would we know who is to be like-minded? Could we expect that we go over to the courthouse and tell them how they're supposed to be like-minded of us? I don't think so. They're elected by the general public. But we who are within a certain parameter are supposed to be like-minded. And I think we do a, a pretty fair job of it at Liberty. Most of us are on the same page of the book, maybe everybody. We don't have disunity, and I'm glad for that. 
and we are like-minded. But if somebody's stirring up trouble over at uh, the Missionary Baptist Church, are we supposed to go over there and call them out and say, hey, you need to be like-minded? No, that's not our job. Our job is to patrol our own membership. And without a membership list, a membership role, we couldn't do that. Number seven, orderliness. And organization comes with church membership. 1 Corinthians 14.40, you got it memorized. It says what? Quote it, Brother Lloyd. Hey, how about that? Let all things be done decently, decently, and in order. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but our country is not very orderly. Uh, We are to be organized and do things orderly. I mean, we've had people in the past, we had a lady that didn't like it because she couldn't just mount the platform and sing a special whenever she felt like it. And I said, well, you know, that wouldn't be very organized, very orderly uh, if, if there's already some people that are lined up to sing and we already told them they can sing that day and if you just come up and decide you're going to sing instead of them or, or maybe somebody steps up here and says, hey preacher, I think I'll bring the message today, then that wouldn't be very organized. I don't think it'd be very spiritual in most cases. So we are to be organized and there's no way to be organized if we don't have a set boundary of membership. Does that make sense? We have to have a membership. Uh, I was in a church one time where the, the pastor was on the outs or some people in the church were on the outs with the pastor and, and we know it wasn't his fault because pastors never do anything wrong. Uh, he, some of the members got it in for the pastor and they were going to vote him out. But they knew there was, most of the people in the congregation liked the pastor and knew he hadn't really done anything wrong, but they didn't like him, a few of them. And they were going to vote him out. So here's what they did. They went out and found some old members who somewhere back down the line joined the church. They went and scattered all over the hills to recruit enough people that would come in and vote with the dissenters in order to vote the preacher out. And and they just about got rid of him that way. That's not the way it's supposed to be done. That's why we have in our church constitution, if someone who is a member, if they don't attend on a somewhat regular basis, they don't get to vote. If they hadn't been around in a while, and we do this, and it's getting about time to do it again, uh, we do this every few years. Uh, if somebody in our church constitution, if somebody doesn't attend the church in six months, and I mean apart from being in the hospital or bedridden or something like that. We understand medical reasons. But if somebody just, they just don't want to come to church and they don't show up for six months, then we can remove them from the list. We don't, we don't have an active and inactive list of members. You're either a member or you're not. You know? if, if, you don't, if you're not active, we don't consider that person a member. And so we can remove them for that reason so that if something comes up in the church, some kind of a, a revolt comes up in the church and two or three people can say, well, we'll go gather up all the old members. They ain't been here. Those old mossback Christians had not been here in six or ten years, but we're going to gather them up so they can come in and vote. Now, that wouldn't be very smart. 
of us to leave ourselves wide open to do that. And so a list of real members who are active and love the church, a list like that is what makes up a membership list. Membership is simply a way of saying, I like you guys. I like your church. And I want to be part of it. I believe this is a good church and I want to serve the Lord here. That's what membership says. I want to be one of you. Say, well, what, uh, somebody might ask, what if I join and then don't later, uh, later I don't want to be? Well, go join somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, we don't have a captive audience. Anybody can leave anytime they want to. Uh, that's, there's no handcuffs in place, no leg irons, nothing like that. And sometimes I wonder if our membership wouldn't be a lot bigger if we did have. But uh, that's, that's not the way it is. We believe in priesthood of the believer and liberty of the Christian to worship however they feel like, wherever they want to go. And <clears throat> if, if somebody finds out later on, well, I just don't believe, the, I don't believe it's a place where the Lord wants me. Well, that would be their business to decide whether or not this is where the Lord wants them. I think most of the time, People haven't really prayed about it open, openly with the Lord. They have already made up their mind and then asked the Lord to rump, rubber stamp their decision. That's bad. But if, if somebody wants to leave the church, they found a perfect one somewhere, uh, just go join it. It's kind of like having a job, you know. If you, you may not have the best job in the world, but, uh, you know, if you get a better offer somewhere else later on and you want to, get a different job, then go do it, you know. And if you want to have a different church, well, go do it. Uh, yet, a lot of the reasons people leave church is not a scriptural reason. They just, they've got their eye on another church, maybe that's got a, a better kids program, or maybe the pastor is more handsome. I can't imagine that. But for one reason or another, they decide they want to go to another church. Maybe they've got a bigger facility. Maybe they've got a nicer facility. And those are not really good reasons to leave a church. Uh, some I, I've had people tell me before, well, preacher, I, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. I, I just don't feel like I'm being fed here. You know what I usually saw? They weren't coming to the table. If you don't come to the table, you don't get fed. And there's a lot of reasons why people leave that are just not biblical but they're not captive I mean my wife and I don't agree with the way toilet paper is supposed to be installed on the paper holder she wants to turn it where the loose edge and everybody knows this is wrong she wants to install it where the loose edge of the toilet paper is against the wall I know the proper way and it's to be turned around so the loose edge is hanging out front so you can get a hold of it easier. We know that, don't we? So we've made the decision. Rather than to split ways, split the blanket, and go in different directions, we decided to go ahead and live together as husband and wife. And I turned it one way in one bathroom, and she turns it the other way in the other bathroom. But we're still staying together. Now, there's times when things may not go the way we want it to go in church. But if it's not a huge scriptural problem, like heresy, you know, if I, if I start 
saying Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then I wouldn't blame you a bit for going to another church. But if some member says, you know, I'm not sure about this or I'm not sure about that, it's, it's not a good reason to leave a church because one member believes differently than you do. As long as the church is going in the right direction as a whole, the church didn't change its constitution, the church didn't bring on a new modern version of the Bible, the church didn't start preaching heresy, then you don't have to leave just because some other member made you mad or offended you or you're just not real close to them. Uh, you wouldn't have to go a different way. When I went to Bible college, we joined that church in Oklahoma City as soon as we got there because that's where we were serving the Lord. And that's where we did our giving. That's where we did our serving. When we moved back to Arkansas years later uh, to serve on staff at a church in Izzard County, then we moved our membership there because that's where we were being fed. That's where we came to the table. That's where we uh, did our giving, and that's where we did our serving. So we joined that church where we were. Wherever we have gone, we joined that church. And when we came to Cersei to plant this church, uh, we joined a church. We knew we'd need to join somewhere while we were getting ready to get this church off the ground. And so we joined a church up in Izzard County where Brother Sneathern was at the time. And we joined that church as soon as we got back in Arkansas. And we remember there while we were laying the foundations, uh, uh, the groundwork for this church. Now when this church was chartered, as its own standalone church and it was not a mission church, then we moved our membership from up there down here and our membership has been in liberty ever since. So joining a church just officially says, I plan to serve the Lord with you folks until the Lord leads differently. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd bless us as we come to this time. Uh, Lord, where we think about the things that have been presented from the Word of God, help us to gather those principles and those thoughts Lord, help us to have our minds settled that membership makes sense, but it's also something that is based on Bible principles that is not anti-biblical at all. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize the good points of having a church membership and why it's good for us to belong to a church. I pray that you'd bless in the invitation time. In Jesus' wonderful and precious and sweet name we pray. Amen.